there, Quinn. I'm just a curious little rhino. Chicago. Welcome to the Andrew Scutt Show. We are back again with Mary Kay Lee for another episode of the Quarantine Cast in the middle of this COVID pandemic. Uh, in our discussion today, we talk about how our environment shapes us, how we are gods but for the wisdom, and we are cra- crazy, crazy monkeys with, with nuclear weapons, and uh, <laughs> and the use uh, and misuse of social media and how, uh, how how to view that productively because it's something that gets misused but has a lot of good intentions behind it. And we also discuss what the term natural means. So is uh, is is food you get from a local farmer natural or is the, the Skippy peanut butter jar that says natural on it really natural? Are they both natural? I don't know. Uh, we talk about what it means to be natural or what it, what it could mean. Um, anyway, pretty interesting discussion. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Wow. We're back. I don't hear the fan as much. Did We're you back. do something? No, I don't think so. Oh, no, there it is. Okay, just kidding. My headphones feel looser this time around, for whatever reason. So interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> I don't know. Getting used to this whole thing. Maybe my face is just broken. Your face is definitely broken. <sighs> yeah. I've known this. It's okay. How you doing? How's it going? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Today was a good day. Today was a good day. It was weird. Yeah. Seeing my parents and not being able to shake their hand or give my mom a hug for her birthday. Happy birthday, mom, by the way. Happy birthday, Carrie. I think that was the first time ever that I have not said hello to your parents and not hugged them. Unless your dad is, like, actually, no, not even. I feel like every single hello and goodbye, there is a hug. Yeah, it's a pretty ritualistic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just saw, was it Rogan posted a... I saw that, too. The handshake thing. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if people didn't shake hands anymore? What would handshakes be replaced with, realistically? You know what I mean? <laughs> I just have a chest pump. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so goofy. Can you imagine like businessmen? <laughs> and like Tony, Dan. <laughs> chest bumping like football uh, players. No, I really don't know. How can you not shake hands? Yeah, no, it's just a... It's been around for a long time, isn't it? I don't know the origin or its history or why we do it, where it's from. But... I don't either. I just thought of, have you ever seen Narnia, the, the Witch in the Wardrobe? No. You've never seen that movie? You had it on a couple months ago, but I never watched no, it. No, it's such a good movie. Um, 
the first time Lucy, who's obviously a human, goes into Narnia, she meets a fawn. Called, Tumnus? Yeah. yeah. I know. And the first know time the first time they meet, Lucy sticks out her hand to mm-hmm. say hello. And he goes, what do you do with it? And she goes, oh, you shake it. And he goes, why? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> it's very funny. So the Tumnus goes like this to the hand. <laughs> anyway that's funny probably a fist bump scraps the fingers right fist bumps are cool or like an elbow thing what do people uh, have made handshakes so. but like come on a fist bump and then like an elbow like that'd be pretty dope I disagree <laughs> completely but never floats your boat man it is so much different talking without those headphones on. Mm-hmm. Quite. It's much better with the headphones. I, I, there is so much more distraction yeah. without the headphones on. I can hear the fan more. And you're just less in it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much of a difference they make. It's actually pretty wild. Pretty, pretty. Yeah, because you're in my, you're in my ear, mm-hmm. in my head, in your head. Was it your? The voice of who you're talking to is as loud as your own voice, pretty much, because what you're hearing is, the audio that's gonna be, <laughs> on the podcast. I'm having troubles. It's pretty cool. That's better. I like okay. it. Yeah, they were a good purchase mm-hmm. for sure. Shout out to my friend Bruce. He's from Wuhan. Shut up. <laughs> You're not funny. He's from somewhere in China. I don't, I don't know where, but. That was great. Yeah, I wonder where handshakes did come from. Because it's such a. I don't know, like. I can't imagine what else you would replace it with like there's something about the physical touch that is like um establishes trust in some way and like you know what i mean it depends on the handshake for sure yes you can but generally touching each other like the the physical touch for the same reason that i imagine like uh, babies spend time on their father's chest, not just with their mom. Like the physical touch has some kind of bond building. Uh, Probably. Yeah, in in your brain on some subconscious level. I don't know. Must be. But I don't know. Really I don't weird. know if that. I don't know. That's interesting. To a different degree. Of course. Yeah, for sure. Like, but you get what I'm saying from a high level. The Maori people. The who? Maori, native New Zealand. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they're I forget the name of the greeting, but um, it's their handshake. You okay? Yeah, go ahead. Um, they put their foreheads and noses together, so they're like this, and they say hello. Like, they touch their foreheads mm-hmm. and nose? Really? And I think, I want to say, they're, like, you put your hand on the other person's cheek. 
or something. It's very intimate. That's how they say hello. It sounds it. Hmm. Coronavirus must have spread like crazy there. They're beautiful people. Hmm. I'm sure they stopped doing that once. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's just, it's, I wonder, like, what the new norm is going to be. Not just with there isn't greetings be. and handshakings, but the new norm after coronavirus subsides. I, like, I think it's interesting that people are saying a new norm. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's just I don't mean like we're gonna live in this crazily different world, but there's going to be some kind of a difference with having all this happened, like. Like, what was the new norm after 9-11? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like... Airport security and a large prejudice. Right, so you might have those kinds of things in regards to diseases and not... Like, large securities in terms of new uh, defense and taking, you know, pandemics more seriously. Pandemic security. National health security. I don't know. Fucking hope so. It's terrifying. Yeah. We don't need to get back into the whole mask thing, obviously, but goddamn. It, it's just, like, there's there's that, but what else is there? Is there, um, do you have, like, backup medical staff now, maybe? I don't know. It just, I don't know what changes are going to come about after this thing is over. So things will be different in some regard. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. It's, um... Neither. I feel like I'm living in a dream in some sense. Hmm. It's very strange. Living in a dream. There's just no... So I guess one thing that I'm having a hard time with is... Actually, it literally depends on the day. Um, Move this microphone up so you're not hitting your that. No. I love you. You know what you signed up for? I'm not sorry. <laughs> no. Um, the reason I said that is so you're not touching this on your chest. I have boobs. I don't know. Right. I have a chest too, but I, the microphone's not right up against it. Don't have boobs okay boy. you don't have the <laughs> boobs you once did then we might have a different conversation is this okay just yeah just don't bump it please i'll do my best but i talk with my hands i'm italian better you than me go on i forgot what i was saying living in a dream depends oh. on the day yeah, um, there's total blurred lines of work and not because humans are not wired to sit for especially eight hours a day. Yeah. Nonstop. So I get antsy at one o'clock, two o'clock, want to get out of my chair. So feel compelled to go for a run. And I do that because I'm out of my, I'm away from my desk for the shower for. 60 minutes so it's not like call it a lunch break sure um so that pushes me back like sometimes i'm working at 
6 o'clock at night, or later, because I took a 90-minute break in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So, psychologically, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? It's past 5. Like, not even past 5, but it's like 8 o'clock. I shouldn't be working right now. Mm-hmm. But work needs to be done or and or like if you're talking about eight hour work day i've only worked six and a half hours today so like can nobody works an eight hour fucking work day no i know that i know that even in the office or otherwise it's just weird it is weird and if i if i go by the like there's always something to do Right, so if I go by the, like, work until the work's done, I would be working until the evening every night, which I'm not willing to do, because I'm paid for 40 hours a week, Mm -hmm. so it's very strange. Yeah, one thing I've always liked about working for myself, well, is that I can put in extra time, but it's, it's my choice, and, like, I'm... My pay really depends on it, <laughs> honestly, which which I like. Like, there's incentive for me to work more. I like that. Um, but at the same time, it is kind of a trap, especially working from home when those lines do get blurred. Like, what do you hear? What's Jocko's most famous saying? Discipline is freedom. So fucking true. And guess what? Unlimited freedom is a prison. Like, when you have all the things in the world at your disposal, you fall prey to the paradox of choice and you end up trapped in like everything but nothing at the same time. If you are disciplined and you have a schedule and you know what's going on, like you are very intentionally using your time investing your time it is so resource the difference in my productivity of either the night before the morning of writing out a to-do list not even necessarily a schedule but just a list of like four or five tasks to get through in the day i was doing it even when i wasn't working from home but just regardless it makes such a difference in my productivity because I will, I've um, turned off the pop-up notification and the sound notification of when I receive an email. So I don't know. There's a little, like the envelope is icon is in the little. The badge. Yeah. On my banner, but otherwise won't know if I get an email. And I'll look at my task list, pick something to do, decide, like decide on something, close my notebook, my workbook, and do that thing so I don't have anything else like talking to me when I'm doing that thing. It's not like I'm, I have my workbook open reminding me of the other things I have to do. It's like during that time, I'm doing that one thing. Once I'm things done, usually a couple other things evolve from that. So maybe I'll get those done, but like then refer to my workbook, choose something else, close it. It's, I haven't been as disciplined in doing that from work since working from home, but I have found that minimizing the distractions around you 
not surprisingly, significantly help. Oh, yeah. There's a reason I organize my phone the way I do and hide all my apps on my second page. And I subconsciously work around it a little bit, but it definitely helps. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. especially the notification thing. That was, that yeah. was a big game changer for yeah. me. I don't have any notifications on my phone turned on other than calendar, phone call, and text okay. message. But my phone's always on do not disturb. You don't have email? I've thought about, fuck no. You kidding me? Email is the biggest trap of all of them. Email? Have you ever heard the theory of email when you're in your inbox and you're replying to emails, you're on defense, and when you're sending emails, you're on offense? You have said that before, yes. If you're in your inbox and just replying to things that come to you all the time, you are playing defense all day long. You're never getting anywhere. You're never advancing. You're just preventing. It's it's a terrible trap. It is a terrible, terrible trap. Um, I am most productive on days when I check my email least. 100%. Easily. And I had an app on my email before where I was only actually getting inbound emails at like twice a day i said uh, like 11, 11 and 4. 4 yeah and that was huge but think about it it, it they're just things that interrupt you like you, you're, you're you got your task list right and you're focused on doing one thing until it's done cross it off next thing like that's the way humans are meant to work like one thing at a time and it, when you just when you're in the middle of that thing and you get an email notification from whoever about something that you need to do like it it just totally fucks you up it's the biggest distraction in the world it's terrible i have one 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 other thing there's some things that i get are like urgent right and you need you need something like to happen i feel like everyone including myself has the like we're all biased that our shit's more important than it actually is oh yeah completely and i think that leads to people hearing what i just said about snoozing emails until certain points of the day saying oh i couldn't do that like my whole everything would go go wrong like okay then either one whatever operation you're running you need to fucking fix yeah (laughs) or or two you're just making excuses for yourself and it's really not that big of a deal if you don't get until to an email until 11 a.m. the next day or the afternoon. Like, you know what I mean? I do. Um, so I agree with you completely. But I have a better excuse. I work with people mm-hmm. who do not feel that way. Those people manage me. So I still feel like I need to be able to respond quickly to things when I need to. So let me ask you this. If you were to write an email or have a conversation, not even write an email, have a conversation with these people and say, look, I'm trying to add the most value to this organization as possible in the way I am most productive and can get the most things done for you is by not being bombarded and distracted by emails all day long. What... I don't see how you can argue with that. You know what I mean? Like, I get that there are things that are urgent. I get that. But guess what? Urgent is subjective. Very. And, and 
those the bias I talked about, like I <laughs> it's hard I can't I haven't heard a good argument against that that isn't emotionally and uh irrationally tied to that bias. Yeah, agreed. So um one of the things that I have to do for my job is to publish articles. Right. Um, and that's turned into based off of the content around COVID and how that stuff is relatively of course. new. Um, and things we're learning things each day. These articles are being written in response to real time information. So mm-hmm it's best to get them published and disseminated quickly after that news in which the article is based off of is published, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's more current. Of course. So the people I work for are prioritizing this mm-hmm. as one of my responsibilities, one of my top responsibilities. So I, I'm I'm supposed to stop whatever task I'm doing. Well, I shouldn't say that. I am... The turnaround time of me receiving this article and then finalizing it and and posting it is hours. Which makes it difficult for me to stay on task during the day because sometimes I'm posting one in the morning, one in the afternoon. So it takes time out of my already full to-do list of the day that I planned to... Finalize, edit, schedule, post, all of this stuff. So sometimes I'm doing three. Okay. If I'm scheduling one for the next day. So are you? You let's say you're doing three in a day. Two are going out that day, and one's going out the next day. It actually hasn't been that that frequent lately, but anyway. Let's say it's two. Whatever. And they they have to go out that day. Did you just find out about them yes. that morning? Yes. That's how that's that's how it's been. Okay. Well, then you guys need a schedule. You guys need a content calendar. So we were doing that. the The articles were scheduled to go out every Tuesday or every other Tuesday of mm-hmm. the month, depending on how many we had for the or how many we had in the queue. So I I had ample notice to get them scheduled. Um, no less than, I mean, rarely 24 hours, but at least two or three business days. So like ample time to get that up. Um, but because these articles are on COVID related issues and people are using real time data, um, to write these articles, the data is changing so quickly, new cases, new tests, whatever else. Um, I, I need to get them up as soon I shouldn't say as soon, it's not that urgent anymore, but shortly after they're given to me, within hours. That's just a terrible system. Like, (laughs) with all due respect, it's a terrible system. You're not disrespecting me. It's... I don't disagree with you. I mean, for the sheer fact that it's just not sustainable and you're going to burn out somebody who's responsible for doing it all. And they're not going to be able to be as productive as they can be as a result they might get frustrated and that's just not a good long-term play (laughs) it's not so (laughs) i um 
It's not like a short term play for that reason either. Yeah. Like honestly, I've, I've been so I've been um adjusting to this because it doesn't seem like COVID is going away anytime soon, which means that these articles are still going to be coming my way. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think we're we're publishing once a day now, so I'll get it in the morning, and um expected to have it out by lunchtime. Or I'll get it in the afternoon around lunchtime and expected for it to be out on end of business day, close of business. Um, so I have started scheduling less things in my in my queue, mm-hmm. um, prepping for receiving an article that needs to be published. And then if I get everything done on my to-do list, which never happens because something always comes up, mm-hmm. then... I'll take something off of my queue list and, and add it there for the day, but... It's like being on call all the time. Yeah. Basically. In a, in a way, yeah. For our, spe- Definitely for, in a for way. our specific responsibility, yes. Absolutely, yeah. It's, um... Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've never explicitly, like, processed that out loud before. Yeah. But, but I mean, your supervisors have to know that, like... Obviously, if this is a priority, it's going to get, it's going to backseat something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that has not been made explicit, but it will be. Um, excuse me. Good one. Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I used to, the whole notion of me, like, you know how I feel about my space. Like to have a. Clean workspace conducive to your. I just getting stuff done. Yeah, um, I just like to have like a nice space for me to yeah work and no function. So, I thought it was gonna bother me a lot less than it does that I don't have a an actual office anymore that I don't have a door to like. For, sorry, for You're really bad at this. <laughs> I know. I told you. I talk with my hands. Um for my own space I there was not one point in my work day that I would not give thanks for having an office and having a door to close every single fucking day there is something (laughs) that I'm like whether whether it's literally just like I need to get something done don't want to be bothered like door is cracked or like I don't want to fucking talk to anyone today (laughs) door is closed or I need to stretch for five minutes I need to change for something like anything privacy is nice it's it's everything it is everything I do not understand how and I literally lucked out like the, the my position and you could even um Equalize it to salary grade because that's a, a hierarchy as well as, as far as title, like position and title. I'm sorry, position and salary go. Um, I'll have meetings with assistant directors, directors, managers, like just people that I work with on campus. Mm-hmm. And they'll come to my office and they'll like be amazed that I have an office and that I have an office as large as I do. It's, and then I feel bad because I'm like <laughs> two years out of school, fucking program coordinator, and sitting, <laughs> sitting here with like a fucking like 
whiteboard and table and chairs and desk uh-huh. with the fucking office door. And they're like, you have a really nice office. I'm like, yeah, I thought everyone had an office like this in, on this campus. But then I started walking, like, poking my nose in places and realized that privileged white girl. people have fucking cubicles. It's not, it has nothing to do with it. And it's, that joke is misplaced. But that's what makes it a joke. Oh, well, I, I thought it was misplaced. Um, yeah, but I don't know. We coexist pretty well. Like, I like this space a lot. I would definitely be more productive if, it was, if this space was outside of our apartment, though. Like, the fact that the fridge is right there. <laughs> it's dangerous, man. I know. We eat the majority <laughs> of our food. Yeah. I would I'd do the same thing if I worked from home. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. I do like this smoothie lunch routine, though. I think that's good. Would you consider getting a shared space? Or a co-work space? I've thought about it. I think you can get one for like 150 200 bucks a month or so. It's not bad. What? Yeah. That seems like a lot of money. To share a space? You know what Syracuse Coworks looks like? It's an open floor with a bunch of desks. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe I think I'm thinking of a like just an office space that has like little offices in it. You could rent it for like two hundred bucks. Is it yours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. With like a door and a lock and yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that would be cool. I've thought about it. Um this point i don't see it i do like the convenience of working from home i think it's more like a i was gonna say i think it's more of a me and a discipline problem with the fridge (laughs) um but at the same time like you want to obviously set your environment up for you for success like you want to you want to stack the deck in your favor. So I acknowledge that too. And it probably would be productive of me to have an office space elsewhere. Like even with the commute to get there and whatever, like it'd probably be more productive still. Well, cause you'd even have the option to work here or in the office, yeah. which would be nice. So even if it's just a couple days a week to get a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, do you go to the fridge out of like boredom and you want stimulation or you're stressed? Both, for sure. I'm thinking if you, like, if you do it to get out of your chair and to do something because you've been sitting for a while, then set a timer for an hour or for 30 minutes on your phone. Once it goes off, get up and stretch. Mm-hmm. Or, like, do 10 push-ups. Yeah. I should. In- instead of subconsciously just going to the fridge. I do do that a lot. It goes back to the same thing, the freedom thing. Yeah. Honestly. Remember when I first started working from home and I was like, if I get all my work done, then I don't I don't have anything to do. And you were like, yeah, no shit. I don't, but I don't have the desire to pull three 12-hour days to get all of my work done for the week. So I have those two days off. It's. I have zero desire to do that. It's such an illusion anyway. Yeah, because there's always fucking something you do. Yeah. And I also work with people who 
have deemed this that they're on this treadmill that they can't get off of. And so once they're behind on their work, like you start on this treadmill and you never get caught up because there's always something more to do, which is a terrible way to... Well, that's kind of what we just described. Like you don't want to put in those three 12-hour days consecutively. And as a result, you're pretty much just on this treadmill where you always have more shit to do. But that's a, it's a perspective though. That's the difference. Oh, yeah, is that, like, yeah. There's always going to be work to do, but if you can mentally turn your, your work mind off at... Mm-hmm. Whatever even time it is, if you work from twelve to nine, you set PM, the pace of the treadmill right. instead of it setting the pace exactly. for you. Exactly. This colleague is saying, no, she's always trying to sprint to catch up because she's always behind and like missing deadlines and pulling all my not like literally pulling all my ears, but that effect. That's a quick way to burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Burnout, uh, stress, gray hair, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. <laughs> it's funny that I, I said something to her that alluded to like me like like having a lot to do and like kind of drowning like it just at, I just had a lot of deadlines or whatever it was that's not how I normally feel um, and then she, she gave me this treadmill theory um, and I like nodded Sure. Like, oh, yeah, huh, that, well, you know, it's, it's the way it is, whatever the fuck I said. But I, I chose not to accept that. I just yeah. don't want to live that way. And I have the wherewithal to understand that that's a perspective and it's not someone who's older and wiser. It's just that person's <laughs> mindset. Um, but I, like, I'm at, <laughs> I'm, I got back to my office after that meeting, and I started thinking, like, imagine if I put a lot of stock into that and valued that, seeing as it came from someone who has more experience than me. Like, I'm 20, I'm newly 24, so I've got 40 more years in the workforce. So, there's that example. There's also, uh, you have doctors who say that if you're maybe depressed that you're never going to be happy again you're not going to truly experience joy again also fuck that's, that, that, that's fucking that was insane. also said to me by a, also clin- fucking a clinical psychologist so damning me to a lifetime of depression and on that note don't you think it's interesting how age does not equal wisdom oh yeah don't you think it's interesting yeah. how some people are older and like very evidently just off track (laughs) like like they're on they're on their own track and they're they're doing their thing but like they're making some they have some serious like judgmental errors that they're making in their life with the way they approach things and their attitude which is ultimately under their control and like they've just they've consciously (laughs) steered the wrong way like and hold on hold on hold on maybe they haven't consciously steered the wrong way but they are consciously not acknowledging that they have drifted off track and that they can make improvements on their mindset if those neuro pathways are Mm -hmm. that deeply ingrained in that person's brain it's a victim mindset oh i'm I'm not not giving excuses you can absolutely change your mindset and your habits i mean i'm i'm well aware of that Mm -hmm. and i take 
I think everyone should take full responsibility of their thoughts, behaviors, feelings, and cut the bullshit and just take responsibility for their actions. Yeah. Amen. But. Amen, baby Jesus. I don't. I don't know. I still believe that you can learn something from someone. From you can learn something from everyone. And agreed. There's a lot of things that I've learned from the people I work with, even though I don't necessarily want to follow their career path. Yeah. You know? Uh, and a lot of times it's... Or even lifestyle. Yeah. Or even lifestyle. Yeah. I'm I'm of the belief that you can learn something from anybody, but it's not always what you should do. A lot of times it's what you should oh, do. Oh, yeah. But a lesson is a lesson. Oh, agreed. But we got onto this because of age equals wisdom. So you're not learning from somebody's wisdom. You're learning from their lack of it. Right. So that's really interesting because I've been on this thing. Can I get water first? I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'm parched. <laughs> it's the intermission music from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> it is. I swear to God. I believe you. Greatest movie of all time. The Goat. This movie is spot. This podcast is sponsored by Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, wonder how that sounded. Yeah, it's part of my. Uh, Not everyone is being as used to that. It's it's part of my. It's part of my way of filtering out people. <laughs> what did C say? The more to authentic you are, the more authentic people you attract in your people, life. People don't want to listen to you, Burke. People, okay. I think I've just grown uh, numb to your bodily. Okay, so if wait, hold on, I wanna, I wanna, well, no, 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 I, no, you hold on, you started something. We had a good conversation stop. going, and I have a good point to make. Go ahead. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> Look at my hairs. Anyway, um. Age does not equal wisdom. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we've talked about before how um, the circle of life is something like you're born a child and innocent and pure and then life jades you and then you grow old and then you become a kid again just in your yeah inhibitions uh, and like Nietzsche's philosophy. You don't care. Actually, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it originated from Nietzsche. Uh, you're a child and then you become a camel. And you work uh, stubbornly, very persistently. And then you become a, a lion? lion? <gasps> We're so in love. We're so in love. Um, I remember listening to this on the way to the Adirondacks. And then after you transcend the lion, back to the child. Yeah. So there's some theory, look it up, or philosophy, whatever. It's fascinating. So we've been on, or I've been on this thing about kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been attracted to them for a <laughs> fucking kidding me. Nope, you got an itch, bro. Go on, kids. Okay. I'm so distracted. I've never seen you do that before ever. Usually, you're an over the pants guy. Mm, you know, sometimes you gotta get in there. You gotta get in there real Terrible. close, like. If I didn't know you, I'd be uncomfortable. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't know <laughs> Come on. You think I put my hand on my pants in front of anybody? 
That's how you end up with some Louis C.K. shit. I'm honored. (laughs) He has permission. Anyway. Are you sure? (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to put my hand on my pants. Okay, go ahead. Are you sure? I can put my hand on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I find kids um, intriguing and wonderful for a lot of reasons. And I'm drawn to them for a lot of reasons. One of which is their innocence and their honesty and their... Like, not purity in, like, the the virgin or, like, religious sense, but just, um, just, like, not jaded or warped by fucking society. Um, that much. Fucking society, man. But, um, like, watching that girl play with her dad in the field, mm-hmm. um, and talking about Connor earlier yeah. and his wonderful qualities, um... I feel like children are also very wise in the sense that, like, they don't see race. Like, it's a typical, mm. like, you don't see, like, four and five-year-olds, you don't see them segregated by, right? like, race, class. Like, they're just friends. Like, like Josh. Yeah. Like, like, Josh isn't black Josh. Josh is just Josh. And Josh has cool trucks that I want to play with, so I'm going to play with Josh. I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in that way, I think kids can hold a lot of wisdom as well. And in the it's same like way that they're like... innocent wisdom that you're innately born with that society warps over time. Yeah. Oh. This, so... Or you're warped by society or well, like whatever it is. I made a, I made a video on this actually. Uh, bias. And how every human is essentially just infinitely biased because a bias is a predisposition or inclination based on prior experience therefore you have you have prior experience therefore you have bias it is that simple it is that fucking simple and it depending on where you grew up and like like you have different biases of course and there are themes throughout society for sure and like you know how much of your how much media have you been exposed to because that biases you makes you biased as well um i used an example in my video about uh about steve (laughs) fucking steve (laughs) fucking steve steve was eating berries over at this berry bush oh yeah i fucking remember that (laughs) fucking steve the uh you know back in paleolithic times and you're hunting and gathering and shit uh steve was eating berries by this berry bush uh and it was near a bear's den and you know let's let's call him joe joe saw steve uh raving about his berry bush because there are all these berries over there he He definitely had a bush definitely had a bush 100 percent. they didn't care back then prevented friction it was fine um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's what hair's for. I know. Um, and then one day, Steve's over at his magical berry bush by the bear's den that everyone's a little skeptical about. So near bear's den, and Steve doesn't come back. Steve was a little. R.I.P. Steve. Steve was Steve has gone. Flowing well, face. it's not so that that berry bush uh, is, uh, you know, insulting his privilege or stepping on his rights in any way. Or suppressing him 
and uh, you know, it, it didn't it didn't do anything particularly bad to Steve, but now everyone else who noticed Steve is gone is going to be a little biased against that very bush, just by pure nature of the fact that that happened, mm-hmm. and you can't undo that. Mm-hmm. Like it is a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Your bias is a survival mechanism. It is it is learning from experience to help you survive. That is why we, you and I and everyone else, has the, our brains are wired to focus on negative events and experiences versus positives. We're more fear-motivated than we are goal-driven. Yeah. It's an activity bias, and for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. So to use your example of Steve and the berry bush, um, back then in Paleolithic times, our amygdala, our core ancient brain, Mm. Um, was super strong home to our our amygdala, our amygdala and and the uh, I don't know I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher it um, our ancient brain is home to our fight or flight response mm-hmm. and the reason that that's a thing is because our ancestors like Steve had to view things as a threat because things back then like the bears were trying to kill them survival so, yeah. So if Steve got away, it might have been because he heard the bears move in the cave or a different rustling in the bushes and his fight or flight kicked in and so he might have ran. Of course. Or fought the bear, but that's why we focus on negative things and we view things as a threat more so than an opportunity. We are biased. In that way. We are. It's called the negativity bias. Mm-hmm. But now we don't need it as much because we don't have bears around us all the time. Now we live in a world of abundance and not in a world of scarcity. Mm-hmm. We need positivity bias. Mm-hmm. But we haven't developed that. We've only been smart for a little while. <laughs> in the range of evolution, anyway. You know, I need to... I, I almost want, I'm the worst with fucking finishing books. Um, I want to like restart the Healthy Deviant because I haven't picked it up in so long. But that's Brene Brown. No, pe- which one's Brene Brown? The Gifts of Imperfection. That's also unfinished on my nightstand. <laughs> okay. I have three unfinished pieces of work on my nightstand right now. It really stresses me out. Um, and I want to reread Pollen's book and all the other books in their bookshelf. Anyway. To source out with me. Maybe in the Adirondacks, I'm just gonna fucking shit, read. Man. Like, oh, honestly. Will you be okay, like, just building stuff on your computer? Just tinkering? Yeah. Maybe I'll we'll, always be okay with that. Maybe. Maybe we'll just not talk to one and just do some other things. <laughs> um, anyway. Want to be separately together on our honeymoon? Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but her book. Um, really highlights how we have, like, our environment has just changed so drastically as far as, um, like, technology and the age of information and even the Industrial Revolution and having all these things around us. Um, and how we're just not, like, our uh, biology has not caught up to our environment. So there's just a complete mismatch, which is why we're very, very sick. 100%. It's actually super interesting. Uh, I heard Brett Weinstein talking about 
evolution and how you know it is a it's common knowledge that your environment shapes uh the you know the adaptations the organisms that live in it right Mm -hmm. um and he pointed out that that's actually not true it's your what ancestors environment that shape you not yours you are a single instance the the creatures in an environment are a single instance in time it is not based on that specific environment they're living in it is based on the environment that their ancestors lived in and leading up to that time define environment surroundings like literally but what scale what scale are you talking about you're talking about like our apartment and how we choose the grandest scale okay as in so you're talking about like the every single environmental factor like literally internal external external environment everything every phenomenon outside your human body okay is your environment okay so like from an evolutionary standpoint that's how they define environment loosely. so he's saying that we are living in what would have been optimal for our ancestors environment right which is why we have the fear responses and we're wired like Steve and we don't have the, the whole you literally just said our physical our world has not caught up like our bio, our I'm sorry our biology has not caught up to our environment in the world we live in right yeah it is, it is that exact premise that I'm saying to you right but it sounds it sounds like you're saying the opposite no I'm saying right now we are built based on our ancestors oh right yes. environment okay yes not right. our environment okay yes but the, <laughs> the the oversimplification of the statement your environment shapes you or your envi- the environment shapes the organisms that live in it is le- like misses the fact that it's not in a single instance in time it's the environment of your entire uh, species leading up to you that is that has shaped what you're built for not the environment you're in currently right so i think when people say that and when i've used that phrase before i've been talking about very micro level examples as in you're going to be less stressed if your kitchen doesn't have moldy food and mm. like like so invest in your environment as in the four walls in which we live in. Yeah. Well. Or like talking about habit forming. Like if you have primers in your environment to do that healthy habit, so then that's going to shape your behavior. Agreed. You can manipulate your environment to stack the deck in your favor for you to succeed and be productive mm-hmm. and accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. Yes. Uh, evolutionary biologists don't really talk about that much. No, right. I'm No. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm saying. Yeah. I've. I haven't. This is the modern. Right. Context. Like the bougie modern, like not bougie, but like neoliberal. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's totally true. I mean, we're not. I mean, I ordered. What you pointed out is more important, though. I mean, uh, to to actively, well. It's it's important also. We don't do 
I mean, there's still a lot of things that I would like to do to improve my environment and my vitality. Um, as far as Explain. like my work, like um, I want a standing desk. I want something like a pad to put under my feet. So it's, um, I really want to stop looking at a screen as often as I do. Um, Some things are easier fixed than others, right? So hanging fruit. Huh? Low-hanging fruit. Right, which would be a standing desk. Mm-hmm. Um, Amelia has... I missed the day. You got blue light glasses. I'm returning them. But... More. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about those. Mm. I'm, I'm doing it because... I mean, I already have the night mode on my computer screen, so I don't know if the blue light glasses are going to make much of a difference. But even just... I can feel my body... Like, right now, my back is sore because I've been sitting hunched over like this um, for a good chunk of the day today. Help lean back at all? Kind of let your, like, adjust your posture a little bit, stretch your shoulders. But this chair isn't supportive. At all. This isn't comfortable for me. Yeah, you like to sit, like, straight up. You're a freak. You mean I like to have good posture? (laughs) Well, you can have good posture no matter... Which angle your spine is at in relevance to the ground. You know that, right? I prefer to be upright and, like, supported. And Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, you can be hunched over and, and lean back. As in, your legs and your back. Yeah. Like, you can have good posture no matter what this angle is. Right, it's all relative. Right. But I don't think the chair that I'm using or my desk chair at work is... Anyway... I got those uh, lumbar support things, but I don't think they work really well for this chair. This chair is actually like designed for that, in that it's um, the back is closer and it like leans back. Mm-hmm. But um, it wasn't the most expensive chair ever, that's for sure. It's all good. It's all good. No, but so I would. You would what? Not like to stare at a screen for eight hours a day in whatever work I'm doing. Which, I don't know. It's going to be harder and harder as time goes on, dude. I know. I know. Technology's also going to get better. Light mode, blue light glasses. And I mean, that's that's a very small... That's such a small band-aid. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, that's not what bothers me about it, though. What does? Is it more not being outside than it is being inside with the screen? It's along those lines more, for sure. Okay. I've been having a hard time as my home office looks out into that field, out past our balcony. I've been having, on really nice days, I've been having a hard time, like, staring at my screen and not staring past my screen to this beautiful vibrant green field that's outside with the sun shining when I have things to do on this 13 inch screen in front of me so better to be in your office with no windows at all Uh, I wouldn't say that no thank you for acknowledging that um because there's definitely an interesting balance there like you want to you want to have some sunlight some natural sunlight and and like that whole thing too but on some level like the grass is always greener right like yeah. it's well i just it's distracting i mean which i 
again, I sympathize with you. I think... <sighs> oh. That was my elbows for people who are listening. I don't think techn- like it freaks me out that and I know I'm gonna sound very ideological right now if that's even a thing and I it's gonna sound ridiculous but it's a thing but I'm so looking forward to it technology and to me especially with this COVID thing has you know how I feel about technology and specifically social media and I have the listeners don't tell them I've never had I've never thought social media was necessarily a positive thing um, just because I've taken classes and have background knowledge on how when used incorrectly social media can actually be quite detrimental to your mental health. Um, haven't. So is it safe to say you haven't viewed it as a positive thing? I No. Largely in my life I have not viewed it as a positive okay. I use it. Not frequently. I have Facebook to keep touch with people who I don't normally see. Um, I use Facebook like LinkedIn though. I have Instagram because I follow people on there. Um, I enjoy photography, so I don't follow as many people as I do like other accounts. Um, I use it as like a, a source of, I guess, culture, you could say. I mean, depending based off of the people I follow. Um, and I just got a Twitter, which I the biggest trap of them all. am like half ass like I haven't been on it in a week. Like I don't good. Don't. Well I created one for a very specific reason and I'm not using it like I should be, so anyway. Um so I haven't largely viewed technology as a positive thing, um, with people just being addicted to their phones and cyberbullying and like all of that um like grew up in that time like all the workshops on cyberbullying when i was 11 and like what that meant and mm-hmm. and whatever and how to like treat your phone or treat your treat people nicely on your phone everything um but in light of this covid thing i mean you've helped me change my mind about social media and just offer a new perspective which i appreciate and i don't feel as strongly as i did about it um but i don't think people use it correctly Largely. Can I explain what that perspective is that you're referring to? Sure. Um, that perspective is the idea that social media uh, is a tool. And it can be used properly and it can be used improperly. Uh, just like a hammer. A hammer can, you know, you can beat the shit out of a screw with a hammer. You're not going to get very far. Um, it's... You could do some other pretty terrible things with the hammer too um, that aren't going to serve you either. But if used properly, it'll put a nail in a piece of wood pretty damn well. And I believe that social media can be used the way a hammer is used for a nail. That is, it can be used properly. Um, However, it is... I want to fully and completely acknowledge that it is very much built for you to get addicted to it and yeah. abuse it. Yes. It is built for that purpose yes. because you have companies like Facebook, for example, and they sell ads on their platform. And the way they sell, the way they make money on their platform is they sell ads 
and the more you scroll the newsfeed, the more ads they can serve you and the more they can charge their advertisers for showing their ads and the more money they make. So in essence, you scrolling on social media equals more dollars for Facebook. Every time you scroll, you are making Facebook more money. You have now, never broken down for me like that before. So Facebook has, therefore, has a monetary incentive and a uh, legal incentive, might I add, to benefit the shareholders to make as much money as possible, more or less, to to benefit the shareholders as much as possible. So Facebook has that incentive. So it is incentivized to build their platform to be essentially addictive for the user so that they can make money, so that they can pay the shareholders. People, so, have, people have been quoted saying that. So Facebook, therefore, obviously, with all the technology and all the um, you know AI and machine learning and what we have now, um, you know, Facebook simply looks at what you engage with on Facebook. It looks at what pages you like. It looks like, looks at, um, what videos you watch, how long you watch them, uh, when you stop watching them. So all this carries all this information and based on that will show you things in your feed that you are most likely to engage with, whether that's in a positive way or a negative way. So if you have somebody that uh, is very pro-gun, pro-Trump, uh, very, you know, classic Republican, um, it might show you a lot of Fox News clips of Republican news reporters shitting on, you know, Bernie Sanders what or whatever. What does this have to do with your perspective? This has to do with the fact that the platform is built to be addictive to you and is going to show you the things that are going to get you outraged, which contributes to the polarizing political environment that we have. Because it, it, you know, it, it, what it does by being addictive and showing you the things that you want to see, it gets you to dig your heels in deeper on the beliefs that you already have. I understand that, but we started this with the reason that you interjected is because you said, can I explain what perspective it is that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. I wanted to fully explain the idea. Okay. So what's your perspective on social media? That it's a tool and it can be used properly to connect with people and stay in touch with people. But it is also ripe for abuse and addiction because of all those things I just talked about. Okay. So that's... A Oh, also a lot of the reason why I don't use it and why I don't prefer it and why mm -hmm. I don't think it's 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 largely a good thing. I think it has benefits. I don't think it's because of what it's become. It's a good thing. Like a hammer with thorns on on the handle. Sure. It's, yes. Yeah. Sh sure. So that's that's still largely my. I don't. I still don't have like a warm fuzzy feeling about social media. Nor do I. Um. To be clear. But with this, with this COVID stuff, I've been amazed at how our technology is still bringing us together and um, serving as a, a feasible tool in the interim of the social distancing and these protocols. But I still find technology and these screens and whatever else so wildly unnatural. Yes. And that's my problem with the whole thing is that I don't 
like I, I want to do research. Like I'm I'm signing up mm-hmm. for a career path where I'm going to be looking at a screen, and I'm mm-hmm. like that's most everyone nowadays. But if I'm going to be doing research, like I'm gonna need software that's on a computer to complete yeah. like computers to like I I'm not gonna write a 50 page manuscript on paper. Like that's just not realistic, mm-hmm. right? So. I understand that, and I understand it's so deeply embedded into our society that I can't escape it, and I'm not suggesting that I want to to that extent, but I still find the whole, just the notion that we are, as a species, are kept inside, out of sunlight, unattached, detached, detached Detached. from nature Mm -hmm. in general, how we don't ever feel the earth between our under our feet anymore unless mm-hmm. we go outside without shoes on which is not deemed as i mean it's not legal to do F- for health and safety reasons and like yeah, I, yeah. I understand that like i'm swinging over here and this like this pendulum you fucking hit me, yeah. but yeah. i still it the whole thing really bothers me so i got two things um number one i think technology is a good thing but i think it, I hold on i think it's an instance of we are gods, but for the wisdom. Yeah. Same exact thing, which, again, lends itself. It's a tool, but we are misusing it. Yeah. I think it's the same idea. Uh, two, I don't think the argument... I I have problems with the argument, specifically with the word, it's unnatural. Let me ask you this. What... Do you think about the idea, the concept, that everything on this planet is natural because it came from the earth? Like, everything started from something natural. (laughs) So tell me what's not natural. Red dye 40. But it came from natural substances. Did it? Yes. Like what? I don't know. And I don't know if you do either. I don't. But I know it came from this earth. Do you seriously, like, I understand your, this is a fascinating argument. I've never heard it, and I think it's hilarious, but really? you, you cannot sit here and tell me that you think the Starburst jelly beans and the Reese's peanut butter cups that your mother gave us today are natural. Okay, tell me what, let's, let's define natural. I'll look it up. I don't know, but it's not the fucking chemicals that are in that stuff. Well, in order to have this discussion, we need to be on the same page of what natural actually I'm is. I'm totally with you. Natural definition. I also want your source. I just... Google, do you want me to go to like Merriam-Webster or something? I didn't even read it yet. Read that first. The first one? Yeah, whatever result that is. Okay. Um, so if you Google, quote, natural definition, and Google pulls up the, the dictionary uh, thing right right away. Uh, adjective existing in or caused by nature not made or caused by humankind interesting of or in agreement with the character or makeup of or circumstances surrounding someone or something what was that one of or in agreement with the character or makeup of or circumstances surrounding someone or something I don't like that one it's it's too wordy. That definition seems all encompassing. The second one you read. Can you look it up on UrbanDictionary.com? Natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'm on uh, Merriam-Webster really quick though. Based on an inherent sense of right and wrong. Oh, natural. Just no. That's that's not what we want. We just want the word natural people. All right, Merriam-Webster, you guys need to work on your your fucking so mobile. Let's, let's go with the first definition. Give it to me again. Existing in or caused by nature, not made or caused by humankind. The problem is that implies that humankind is not natural. Not necessarily. So okay. Ah, uh, is a baby? Yeah. Natural. Yeah. What the fuck about a baby isn't natural? It's made. It's made by humankind. Oh, okay. <laughs> By that You're pointing out the hypocrisy in yeah. in your own stance. It, no, it's not a stance. I I've never explored or thought critically about the definition of natural. The way you used it before implies that implied that you know plastic's not natural, right? I don't think because we made plastic. Yeah. Even though we made it with things from the earth, it's not natural I, because we made it. I still don't think it's natural. That. That's it fine. doesn't go back into the earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a banana peel can decompose. It's not... Uh, okay, so this is interesting. Uh, the, the banana peel is a direct result. It is, one, it is one step away from nature. Like, plastic is maybe two or, or multiple steps. It's more than one step away from nature because it didn't come from the earth directly. It had to be manipulated after the earth produced whatever materials that we had and made into plastic. Did, the, did you follow that? Yeah. So are you talking about things that are natural in, in that things that are only one step away? That, that Anything that just comes from the earth that can be, that doesn't have to be manipulated into something else. Because here's here's an interesting argument for you. So... We have plastic now, right? Yeah. Uh, 200,000 years ago, our, our friend Steve, he was picking berries and he was wearing a nice little loincloth that he made from the skin of a rabbit he shot and uh, some... Did he shoot it? Because they didn't have guns back then. That he did not shoot. He, he caught it with his bare hands because he, he was on his game that day. <laughs> he just jumped on it. Got him. He strangled it. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, uh, a loincloth made of the the hide of a rabbit and vine from a tree right or or something like this okay um those things are from the earth the rabbit and the the vine yeah but they're not in their natural state as a loincloth on his body so then you have plastic plastic we we didn't just physically manipulate. Maybe this is the difference in, in science class. Do you remember physical and chemical uh, reactions? Like a physical reaction oh, is like the shattering of glass. So vaguely. And a yeah. chemical reaction is like you use heat or pressure or something to alter the chemistry yeah. of the actual thing itself. And yeah. that's how you get plastic. So are you, maybe your definition of natural is things that have been chemically altered. Not physically altered. Maybe, but I'm thinking of rust. And rust is a natural chemical reaction that happens when this is two true. natural elements. So, so, I... oh, so, so natural chemical reactions can occur. Yeah, I guess.
guess. Mm. I don't know. I don't. That, I, that put, makes a. Can you imagine if there was some natural phenomenon that made plastic? Jesus. <laughs> See, I don't. This is very interesting because now, I mean, I don't have a stance on this per se. I don't. I don't want to um, commit myself to a definition of natural. Nor do I. I'm just a curious little rhino. I know. I know you are asking why. No, I I think this is advocate. very I think this is so interesting because now we yeah. live in a world that I think is very unnatural and mm-hmm. that we are stuck inside looking at screens, detached from nature, detached from each other, mm-hmm. whatever else. Nature, natural. Right, yes. Semantically so, very yep. Yeah. So we live in this unnatural world and it's now hip or good, seen as positive, to consume natural things organic things so things that you buy on the supermarket shelf are labeled natural and you buy that because it's natural even though it's fucking produced and like the soap i buy for instance i mm-hmm. can read and understand all of the ingredients in that soap is it natural because someone had to put it all together it's made from purely things that come from the earth Water, essential oils, I think coconut oil. Um, I don't know what the actual soap is. Maybe it's not. I have no idea. Yeah. But but there's that too. There's that argument too, and that people. I don't know. Like, is the meat you buy is the meat we buy from Fingerlings natural? Because it still goes through a processing process. So. It's more natural than the fucking curated pepperoni that you buy in a package. Or the diner food we ate this week. Right. <laughs> fucking cancer sausage. I know. Dude, <laughs> your mom your mom, I wanted when when you were like, Oh, it was like a fretta, it was like eggs and like a whole bunch of stuff and she was like, That's not that bad. I was like it's definitely bad. roasted in vegetable oil. Disgusting. Processed sausage, ham, pepperoni, bacon, eggs that definitely are not organic or, you know, you know? came from a chicken with three wings and one leg. <laughs> <laughs> Just hopping around. Just playing hopscotch with and his then, And then the fucking, the worst kind of cheese for you. Not the worst, but one of the worst kind of cheeses for you. Soft cheese isn't good, that's good for your gut. It's hard mm. cheese. Because it's not bad to like she's like that's not that bad i was like carrie you have no like you don't eat red meat like you have no idea what was in that thing (laughs) and nobody it's a fucking heart attack that's yeah that's uh no offense to my mom but much of the general public is pretty ignorant on you know health and whatever it's i I don't want to i don't want to derail from when you're talking about the natural thing i I wouldn't say ignorant as just uneducated uneducated well and strategically so right Yes, not by their own devices. Right. Yeah. Their environment is set up that way. See, unhealthy people Though, it is still up to them to recognize their other ways, ask questions. Okay. And to, to, to at very least, ask questions. Always question. Number one rule, if you have a belief, try to break it. That's if why you, I like you. If you can break it, good. You can find a better belief then. If you can't break it, good. It's a good belief. Anyway, um, the natural thing. I think that maybe, I mean, we could sit here and go back and forth on this all day long about, you know, chemical reactions and this and that and this and the other. 
and I, I really don't have the answer, but I would say natural. Um, we could agree on a definition and go from there, but I don't think it. it's a, a silly. Like we, we could do that and, and establish that, but I don't think that really gets at what we're talking about. I think, or I don't think it's going to solve the the discussion we're having. What I do think is more reasonable is that natural exists ultimately did come from this earth. We had to manipulate the shit out of it to get plastic and, you know, have Walmart written on the side of it with two handles so we can carry our Ben and Jerry's ice cream out to our car before we put a spoon in it that we pull out of our glove box. But... <laughs> what? But... Are you talking about something real? Anyway... You don't keep a spoon in your glove box, anyway, do you? No. I don't know. I never know, do you? Anyway, I think everything's natural in some degree and that everything did come from this earth. That is, there's nothing on this earth so far as we know that is not, uh, you know, either... There's like lab-created stuff, though. Okay. But, you know, the lab exists on this earth, right? Like, everything is natural to some degree. You have to accept that fact. Look, it's not my argument. I'm acknowledging a simple fact. Everything came from this earth. That doesn't mean it's natural. That just... based on your definition of natural, it is natural to some degree to the extent that it came from this earth. How can you sit here and dispute that? I'm not. Okay. I just don't like it. Well, sorry, but... It's okay. I'm just <laughs> sitting with it. Let me process. You were, and it came out in... In, in the form of refuting <laughs> what I said. I'm not refuting. I'm swallowing it and I'm choking on it a little bit, but I'm processing. So I definitely think a banana is more natural than plastic. I think anyone who's as remotely has a brain would agree with that. But um, as far as what is purely natural, I don't think humans are. I have two things. One, um, there seems to be, like, per your example of banana versus plastic, mm-hmm. you just said that everyone, anyone with half a brain would agree that a banana is more natural than plastic. So I think an element of this definition or this concept of being natural is a common... Um, knowledge or predisposition that humans share because human like if to go out on a limb say we all come from the earth Mm -hmm. right and to earth we shall return wait are you you referring to a uh a pre like a a societally accepted definition of natural no 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 i'm saying that despite the fact that the word and the definition might be nuanced and different for each person there is still this universal notion of what the foundation of the concept is. Natural means, like, maybe being outside. Natural. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's... The chemicals, the atoms. Sure. There's a a unifying underlying concept of this word. I'm sorry. There's a unifying underlying... I guess... Idea? Yeah. Of the concept that, that people can agree on, to your point. So I think that's really interesting well, is that humans are... I think they agree 
in relevance to things. Like, I think it's a spectrum. Yes. So, my point is there are nuances in in the specific definition, as you and I have been discussing. But at the same time, humans share an underlying broad idea of what this concept is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Because that's like... To me, that speaks to us being innately and biologically connected to the outdoors. That's my first thought. Second, and now I know I'm conflating natural with moral. Mm. So, talking about natural behavior, Mm. sex is a natural behavior. It's a Mm. human natural instinct, right? Uh... We've talked about before how innovation is a natural human instinct. Murder. Is that a natural thing? Rape. Is that a natural thing? Mm, I don't know. I don't... I don't think that's a good... I don't think... Um... I, I don't... Those are those are moral issues, to, to your point. I don't think those exist on the spectrum of natural. Fine. I just thought I'd post a question. Yeah. I don't disagree no, with you. No, I think you. it's a good question. I don't, think, I don't disagree I, with you at all. I'm fairly confident that's the answer, though. But people would call murder and rape unnatural. E- well, now you're talking about behavioral inclinations mm-hmm. and I'm oh i know i know i know i'm can totally conflating the two like, completely anger's natural murder though mm, i don't know it speaks to unhealthy and healthy ad- adaptation and cope and all that i mean i know i'm i'm purposely making this a mess yeah yeah no, no, no but i fine. just i thought of that that was interesting that is interesting so i we just talked a lot about the whole natural thing um do you think natural is always better my gut said yes, but two seconds later, my rational brain says no. Well, I should say, do you think more natural is always better? That's a better question. And I don't. If, I don't like that you said the word you used always. I don't like those all-encompassing things. I um. I think I agree with you, but I think that to your point, like it, the whole trendiness thing and whatever of organic food and natural and whatever um i think somebody might be inclined to say yes natural is always better and to that person i might say vaccines like i I don't think natural is always better i really don't i think technology is like we are progressing technologically as we learn more about this place and our environment and how we can manipulate it and i think you know, in a lot of ways, we fucked that up. But again, I think it comes down to technology and using it as a tool and not misusing it. Like, I don't think natural is always better. I mean, I'm thinking about... and See, but then again, I don't know if it's just our, our environment as living in this industrial revolution and information age. But I'm thinking, like, if I... If I didn't moisturize my body and my skin every day, mm-hmm. that would not be good. And I use a natural moisturizer, but it's not like... Well, that's a shitty example. Let me think of something else. 
No, no, no. I like this example. You use coconut oil to moisturize. Because <laughs> you have something about coconut oil. No, no, no. <laughs> so you, you use coconut oil to moisturize as opposed to fucking Jergens chemical whatever, right? That's, Scented, yeah. That's more natural. Um, But is it? You live in upstate New York. Using fucking coconut oil? How natural is that? Where'd that shit come that's from? That's a good point. Wegmans? Is Wegmans fucking natural? I don't think so. Well, it's a good point. In but, in but relativity, you get the Jergens from Wegmans too, though. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not. I, on the spectrum of natural, I think coconut oil is more natural than Jergens. However, the the devil's advocate can always point out that grocery stores ain't fucking natural and or are less natural than getting your own food, growing your own food, right? Like you can always you can always point out. It, hold here, here, hold on, hold on, hold on. On the, on the spectrum of natural, if Jergens is way on the fucking shit end and coconut oil is a little higher, like you can always point at the other side, like what you're missing. You can always look at the flaws on that spectrum, and where it could have been more natural. And I think that's fundamentally uh, just why natural's not always better. Like, if natural's always better, we'd, yeah. we'd be living in huts, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's just, like, think about the evolution of our communication system. Mm-hmm. None of that is natural. No. In a lot of ways, we fucked it up. Yeah, I mean, that's so, another conversation. As, yeah, social media, but, like we were talking about earlier. Right, but... Uh, it's good for a lot of things, too. You know what I just thought? Hmm. In order, I shouldn't say. I let me back up. Conversations are hard. Oh yeah, you have to think. <laughs> People don't like to think. No, I don't mean. <laughs> I know it's true, but I don't mean. Yeah, you have to think. This is very. This takes a lot of energy to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Rogan can do two podcasts in a day. That's fucking bananas to me. I think this is energizing. I don't oh. think this is draining at all. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I disagree. Oh. I don't think it... It's not draining in the sense of, like... I mean, I'm I'm, in, I'm very much enjoying this, and yeah. I asked you to do this, and I'm not going to, like, have to take five minutes to myself or, like, clock out after this, but... Well, actually, I don't know if it's draining. I'm enjoying this. Anyway. Um... Fuck, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Conversations oh, are hard. Um, yeah, conversations are hard. And you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I know we've talked about this, but it's just... I mean, I feel like I'm I'm trying to formulate new thoughts around an idea that I'm exploring for the first time. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm babbling and talking over myself and just not... Taking a long time to get to the point I'm trying to make, but I'm trying to formulate the thoughts in my head before I... Say them out loud because this is the first time I'm really thinking through this. It's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, back when we were hunting and gathering, and um, like the the intermittent fast, for example, was something that was forced because we had to get our food yeah. in order to eat, and sometimes it wouldn't be until later in the day or whatever it was. Um. Oftentimes, couldn't just wake up, go to the fridge. Even with the agricultural movement. In planting crops, um, 
it takes a lot of fucking time. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's just so interesting. I was thinking if we've talked about having a vegetable garden, an herb garden, flower garden, but for our food purposes, I want a large veggie garden with a bunch of different things so I could pick it if I wanted to and we could have a pretty robust salad, for example, right? Like, I want some variety in this garden, Mm -hmm. bigger than what your dad has. Yeah, yeah. And I know that would take a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're you're compromising that for your 40-hour work week. Because even if you're, like, it's not really feasible to tend to your garden four hours and then work eight hours and then cook that food. You know what I mean? Like, it just... You're talking economics now. What's the ROI on your time? What's the opportunity cost? The reason I got here is because I was thinking that I want to get to the point where I can afford, I'm using that word very intentionally, Mm -hmm. afford to spend my time tending to our vegetables. Because it is a lower ROI activity. Yeah. Because I can go to the grocery store. Monetarily. The benefits of being in the garden as opposed to behind the screen doing something you don't like is a lot harder to measure. The, the, the mental benefits. There so, are assessments that are created for you to measure that just fine. Like research studies? Like validated and reliable assessments for... An individual? Yeah, for... It's, it's all of the... when So, the word... The average person can't just... Yeah, like, you can take these assessments. The average person can't just quit their job and decide, I'm going to start a vegetable garden and, and see what happens with my life. Just, just to do a little oh, split test. Well, of course not. Right. But you can measure your overall well-being, happiness levels, um, life satisfaction, purpose. Yes. You can. No, pre, I, I agree pre, with that. Pre and post. Like, those, there are measures. Well, that... but pre and post, it involves Steve quitting his job and starting a huge vegetable garden instead. Mm-hmm. Like, his wife might be mad because they still got to pay the mortgage. Like, it's not that easy. You know what I mean? That's my point is that I want to be able to afford to do that. Agreed. Right now, my time is too valuable to do that. My point was, you can't measure the benefit fully like monetarily you're you're taking a loss but the the benefits that are more abstract i'm saying you can measure those benefits with those assessments that i'm referring to i'm G- give me I, an example of something you're saying dear i'm saying there's no economics 101 for your mental health like Hey, you should do this instead of that. Like it's not as concrete. I I disagree. That's what research is. You can I can take what do you want to measure? Give me something abstract. Steve with his garden instead of his but, job. But right, okay. So what is an abstract quality that might change if Steve is at his job versus playing with his plants? 
is overall happiness. Okay. So you want to measure happiness. Fulfillment. Yeah, whatever. They're two different things. And okay. there's two different measures Let, for let's them. Let's measure so. both of them. Okay. So Steve is at his job. So he takes the positive and negative, positive and negative effective scale, PANIS. It measures your positive emotion and your negative emotion. Okay. Um, there's something on quality of life and life satisfaction. There's a life satisfaction scale. I'm pretty sure. So he takes those things when he's at his job. He quits his job. Maybe he takes it again. Maybe the intervention is that he quits his job. So the the pre-intervention is he's at his job. The intervention is he quits his job. So he takes it. Are there studies like this? Yes. It's pre and post-interventions. No, no. Studies of somebody quitting their, like, we took, we took. N equals 289, and we took these people, and we got them to quit their job and work on a vegetable garden full-time instead. I like don't, I don't know if... Some, no, something, that would be very hard. Actually quitting your job, that would be super hard criteria. But um, I think I'd, that'd be super interesting. Look it up. So my point is, like, no, not, like, strictly economics, but there's a ton, a ton of different stuff. That you could measure yeah. to, to get a concrete score. So my happiness was a two here. Quit my job. Maybe it's a five. Start the vegetable garden. Maybe it's an eight. Maybe it dips when you quit your job because you're stressed. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it skyrockets when you start your vegetable garden before whatever reasons. Yeah. That's interesting. It'd the be whole, more natural. The whole idea of research. Well, that's a large statement. So I'm, no one hold me to this, but the the whole like uh, do you know what operationalize means? Uh, like systematize? No. Um, Tell me that. In research, when you have, especially in social research, social science research, mm-hmm. you have these really abstract things like happiness, love. Right. Um, like, how do you measure those things, mm-hmm. right? That's always a question, and there and there are important things to study. Right. So there's processes that you have to go through as a researcher to be able to objectively measure those things. That process, once you conceptualize and kind of whittle up down this definition of what it is happiness means to you for your study, you have to operationalize that definition to... Um, be able to measure it so operationalizing something is giving it a definition that is like specific enough where you could look for markers or indicators to code that behavior to um define your your Just the essence of what i meant by systematize oh i okay um so like the the on and app the on and off task behavior I was measuring yeah. for the souls of the feet study, the operational definition for on task behavior is um, looking at your assignment, um, actively engaged with your work, um, following class etiquette or the class expectation. Right. Off task behavior um, was def- split up into active off task and passive off task. If you were out of your seat. If you were talking out of turn, um, making any sort of noises that were not appropriate for the classroom. So if you're huffing, yelling, swearing, verbal off task, um, 
getting out of your seat was motor off task, not being engaged with your work for more than three seconds. So Sam's supposed to be writing or reading a book and I'm here, one, two, three, that's passive off task. So that was so clearly defined for us. So we knew what to look for and we could accurately measure the child's behavior. Right. That's operationalizing. Yeah, makes sense. So, well, I could talk about this for a long time because I find it fascinating. But, yeah. So, anyway. There's a weird trade-off. The more natural something is, the more simple it is, but it's... uh, You lose the efficiency of scale. Like, it'd be more natural if we all hunted our own food, but we can't do that. Like, literally, there's not enough food out there to hunt. Right. It's not sustainable. Yeah. It doesn't scale. Right. So, it's like, how can you... It's almost like, how can you keep things as natural as possible? Like, the, the apex of maximum efficiency for maximum natural naturalness you know what i mean can i just tell you the thoughts i had in my head on that tell me and after i say this i kind of want to end the podcast as like a mic drop (laughs) i thought of because what you just said about people hunting their own food Mm -hmm. is not scalable it's not sustainable because there's Mm -hmm. a ton of people on this planet in this country right so I thought of a clip of Dwight Schrute from The Office saying, we need a new plague. We need a new plague. It's and then I thought, fuck, <laughs> that's coronavirus. But I'm... <laughs> yeah, maybe if we... What we, we've got like 100,000 people gone now, right? I have no idea. It's not funny to joke about. It's people's... It's someone's grandfather. You know, it's like... Did you know Ari Shafir... Every time somebody famous dies, makes like a really shitty like jab joke about them and puts it on Twitter. <laughs> and do you realize you just laughed at that? Yeah, I know. And you just told me we can't joke about coronavirus. No, I didn't say we can't joke about it, did I? I said it's not funny. Well, I just don't want to. That's wanna, the same thing. I don't want to laugh at someone's expense. That's all. You're not laughing at their expense. I'm just. Igno- They're not hurting more because you're laughing. I'm just acknowledging. That people are suffering around the world, and I don't want to. You're very laugh empathetic and virtuous. I'm not trying to wave that flag. I know you're not. I'm being genuine. I know you are, and so am I. And I don't wish death of coronavirus on anybody. But you can't tell me we can't laugh at that shit. Fair. Yeah. Deal. I, mean, I thought of it. <laughs> you did. You <laughs> fucking you knew, sicko. You knew playing. <laughs> You want to wrap this thing up? Yeah. Deal. That was a good chat, dude. Yeah, it was. We'll have to do it again sometime. Let's we'll see you around. Yeah, in the kitchen. <laughs> in the kitchen. There's so a there's long. a there's a gender role joke there, but I'm gonna leave it alone. Bye. <laughs>